0: All right, welcome back to The Alex Strom Show. I'm excited to be back after a few weeks of not being here. I've been doing some work on the, on the podcast behind the scenes. There's going to be a couple changes to the format of the show coming up. I have a few interviews planned for the next few weeks, so instead of you know listening to me rant for a half an hour, hopefully you get to hear some pretty thoughtful discussion. We also now have some merchandise on Teespring. Uh, you can buy t-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, phone cases, and stickers at teespring.com slash store slash alex-strom-show-shop. It's kind of long, I know, but please check it out and support the show. So let's get started. Before I get to the main part of the show, there's two things that I want to touch on, and the first one is censorship by big tech, particularly for hate speech. I talked about it on a more recent episode with hate speech, but this controversy is particularly focused around Steven Crowder, Carlos Mazza from Vox went on a huge Twitter rant directed at YouTube about harassment from Steven Crowder. Carlos Mazza was referring to YouTube not enforcing hate speech guidelines and how YouTube cares more about looking fair to conservatives instead of protecting their creators. I've watched pretty much every single video Crowder has done regarding Carlos Mazza. Carlos Mazza's on Vox, he does these videos, and then Ladder with Crowder takes them and they kind of debunk the myth behind them. And Crowder's show is a comedy show. He's said it many times that he is a comedian first, and he makes jokes. And jokes are offensive. Whether his jokes about Carlos Maza go over the line is a different story. But what Carlos Maza is saying is that other people harass him directly because of what Steven Crowder has said. Crowder has called him a lispy queer on his show many times when he's been making jokes about him. And, And whether you think it's funny or not funny, it has no intention of other people harassing him. It's a joke. If Crowder said, hey, go harass that lispy queer then Crowder would be in the wrong because that is a direct call to action. Crowder simply making fun of him isn't a direct call to action and he has no fault in other people directly harassing Carlos Maza. Steven Crowder has openly condemned any sort of physical violence against anyone, unlike Carlos Maza. He has openly advocated for physical violence on Twitter. He tweeted, milkshake them all, humiliate them at every turn, make them dread public organizing. Referring to far-right protesters. And that tweet is still up and hasn't received any sort of attention from Twitter. Carlos Maza also calls Tucker Carlson a white supremacist in his Twitter bio, which, you know, to me, that seems pretty hateful, and that could definitely incite violence against him and his family like has already happened to him when people showed up to his house. YouTube responded by saying that Steven Crowder did nothing wrong, but then ended up demonetizing his channel anyway. It's like a cop coming up to you and saying, You know what, you didn't break any laws, but I'm still going to give you a ticket. And this also resulted in hundreds of other YouTube channels being demonetized without any kind of warning. And then YouTube ended up changing their guidelines to say that hate speech, which isn't defined and in any legal sense doesn't exist, isn't allowed on their channel anymore. And here's the overall issue, YouTube, which is supposed to be a platform, is acting as a publisher without giving clear and defined rules. If they set in their guidelines specific rules or something more defined than just hate speech then you would actually be able to follow the rules and if you break the rules as a consenting party to using a private company's platform then they can kick you off or shut you down or demonetize you or whatever they want to do but since none of it is actually defined it's almost impossible to follow and they can remove you for literally anything they want whenever they want this is similar to lon fuller's eight ways to fail to make law I know that YouTube isn't you know, law, but think about it as if this, these are the YouTube laws. So in his eight ways to fail, one of them is that the laws have to be clear and intelligible and that they have to be possible to obey. If you don't know what the law is, then how, do you, how, do you, how is it possible to obey? And if it isn't clear, how can you obey it properly? Most conservatives don't really have an issue with rules on private companies that are available to the public. And if they do support any kind of government regulation on these private companies, they're not really conservatives. But we just want a, player fa- a fair playing field. There's a pretty clear connection to companies like this with a political agenda, and they're suppressing conservative voices. And one of the things about Carlos Maza is that he has said to deplatform people. He thinks that if you basically are on the other side, that you shouldn't have a voice and you should be deplatformed. He used Milo Yiannopoulos as an example, saying that deplatforming works because Milo was taken off. The reason why milo was taken off and no one likes him anymore is because you were able to hear what he said you were able to see that he's an idiot in my opinion when you take away someone's right to speak how do people know what they think how do you know who thinks who who is a bigot who is an actual racist who is an actual sexist whatever you want to say if you have somebody that's able to say these things and you find out that they're crazy I don't know, kind of like Alex Jones too, then you find out, maybe we shouldn't listen to this guy because he's that crazy. But if you're just gonna suppress them before they can even say anything, you're not, adding to, you're not helping anybody, you're actually worsening the cause. And the last thing before I get into the main topic of the show, it is Pride Month, as many of you know, and I wanna tell you that love is not love, and if you say love is love, then you are wrong. And before I start with this, I wanna say that I understand the premise behind the love is love slogan. The gay rights movement is a good deviation of the norm. What two consenting adults decide to do with their own lives is perfectly fine, whether it's in the bedroom or whatever, as long as they're consenting to it, they can do whatever they want. But love is love is a breeding ground for pedophilia and shouldn't be used as a civil rights slogan. If you truly believe that love is love, then you also believe a 45-year-old man who loves an 8-year-old boy is love. The difference between someone's sexuality and pedophilia is that children are protected groups because they cannot properly consent to sexual relations with adults. There is a story that came from a TED talk speaker that argued that pedophilia should be accepted as an unchangeable sexual orientation because no one chooses to be a pedophile and that it will help decrease their suffering. And this is terrible. There's a reason why we have laws to protect children, because they can't do it for themselves. If a 45-year-old man coerces an 8-year-old boy into doing things sexually, that is so wrong, because that 8-year-old boy doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know that he, can, that he, that he should stop it. He can't, cons- he can't consent for himself. He can't think about it. But this also reveals some kind of underlying hypocrisy from the left, too. Be- back when Ohio passed the heartbeat bill, There was a news story about an 11-year-old girl who got pregnant from a rapist and how she wouldn't be able to get an abortion under the new Ohio law. Well, first off, that girl was not subject to the law, as the law hasn't even taken place yet. And that girl actually wanted to be in a relationship with her rapist. He was 23 years old, and he didn't force her to do it. I said this on a, a more recent podcast that when you say that it's a rapist, there is an implied idea of force behind it. Obviously, it's not okay that a 23-year-old guy wanted to have sex with an 11-year-old girl, but the girl said she was in love with him and that she wanted to keep her baby. So not only was the left using this 11-year-old girl to push a false headline to further their agenda, they were completely against the relationship this girl was having, even though they do believe that love is love. So no, love is not love. My entire political ideology is to do whatever the hell you want to do, as long as you're not infringing on others' rights to not do what you want to live your life like. So please, be gay, be trans, be whatever you want to be. But pedophilia is not a sexual orientation, and it should be condemned by everybody. And I'll be right back to talk about intersectionality right after this short break. Alright, now I want to talk about intersectionality and identity politics. Intersectionality and identity politics are both based around racial, ethnic, religious, social, or class backgrounds to identify in a political alliance. Both parties use identity politics to a certain extent, but the left uses this tactic as their bread and butter. Whenever there is a black person who is a conservative, the left views them as not really black. Whenever there is a woman who is a conservative, or pro-life, or not a third wave feminist, they're not really a woman, and they're brainwashed by the patriarchy. If a Latino or a Hispanic supports Trump, then they're going directly against what they should believe in, according to the Democrats. They believe that everyone is brainwashed if you don't, because progressives are, are for everybody. They're for the gay people. They're for the, the minorities. But they're really not. The Democrats, who call themselves liberals, are acting in a very illiberal way here. Liberalism was built on the idea of being judged as individuals and not as a group. The Democrats adopted the liberal name, but are quickly destroying liberalism with their intersectionality and identity politics. Martin Luther King Jr. wanted people to be judged by the content of their character and not the color of their skin, and that ideology can also apply to religion, sexuality, and gender as well. The left has done exactly the opposite of that, and MLK would be completely against this idea of identity politics. I live in an extremely left-leaning city, but I shouldn't have to walk down the street and see a black person or a woman or a gay person and think, wow, they're probably Democrats. But because this idea of identity politics is so ingrained in their movement, it's so difficult to walk down the street and not think that because that's all I hear from from media is that if, if you're black, you have to support the Democrats because they're for you, which is just complete nonsense. If you judge someone based on immutable characteristics and not based on what they say, how they act, what they believe in, then you're playing the identity politics game and you're directly going against everything MLK fought for in the civil rights movement. This also comes up when it comes to more social issues like the gender pay gap. Do you think it could be possible that the reason women get paid less than men on average could be due to personal choice and not because of rampant sexism? Actually, do you think it is at all possible that any social issue involving non-white men could be attributed to choices individuals make and are not due to racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, or any other reason? Right now, I'm in a class called Urban Social Problems, and we were talking about segregation in neighborhoods. My instructor's from Milwaukee, and she showed us a chart that said Milwaukee is the most segregated city in the United States, and she described this as unfortunate. I try my best to be a critical thinker, so whenever I'm given information, I try to break it down and think about what it actually is. So I ask myself, why is it so unfortunate that there's segregation? The description of it being unfortunate has an implied idea of racism behind it. Is the reason that city is so segregated simply because of racism, or because of the system, or is it at all possible that it's like that due to people's choices? If you make bad choices and you can't get a good job and you have to live in a poor area that is typically black or typically asian or typically latino is that your fault or is that the government's responsibility to fix that or is it the system or what is it san francisco is pretty segregated too especially with a huge asian population chinatown is huge in san francisco and is that because people are racist to asians or the system of a very left-leaning intersectionalist city wants to keep them there Or is it because they choose to live there and operate their lives there? One thing we talked about today in class, we were talking about evictions, and we talked about how women are more likely to be evicted than men because men typically will try to come to a verbal agreement with their landlord outside of court to not get evicted, whether they're going to pay off their rent by working for him or they're going to make payments on it or whatever it may be. And that's a trait called agreeableness. Jordan Peterson talks about this in an interview about how men are more agreeable than women. That is a personality trait that is typically even to men so that men will be more likely to disagree with their bosses over their salary to get a better salary. So is that because of sexism or is that because of a personality trait that typically men have? The black community and the Hispanic community both have the two highest rates of children growing up without a father, which has had several studies done linking higher likelihoods of poverty and crime rates for the future of the children. The fatherlessness rate in the black community used to be at roughly 20%, and that was considered to be a crisis at the time. But since then, the civil, since the civil rights movement, it has increased to 71%. Is that due to the racist system, or the choice of having premarital sex and not taking responsibility for your actions? According to the left, these are all because of a rigged racist system, and it's the purpose. It's the the responsibility of the government to force others to fix these problems with higher taxes and growing government social problems. According to the Brookings Institute, if you follow these three simple steps, you have a 98% chance of not living in poverty. If you graduate high school, get literally any job, and don't have kids before you're married, that's it. That's all you have to do, and you have a 98% chance of not living in poverty. These three things can all be done fairly easily in the United States today. Obviously this doesn't mean that you are going to live a largely lavish lifestyle, but you will be able to pay the bills and put food on the table and support yourself. This, this system and racism or any other kind of ism doesn't force the black population, which is only 13% of the population, to commit more than half the crime in the United States. So really it's not an issue with the system coming down on the minorities that aren't doing as well. It's the choices of these individuals and the culture surrounding them that they have to do illegal things or other things or that they just don't have a, a level of responsibility when they're having kids and the father's leaving the house it's not the, the fault of the system or there's not racist from the, from the government but it's the culture around it all right make sure you follow my twitter account at alexstrom show and subscribe to my youtube channel please as always we love you to comment like and share the podcast to help spread the word and please check out the official shop of the Alex Drome Show on Teespring. We're gonna come out with some more designs in a little bit, some of the things that I've been working on, but any any purchase you make will go towards funding for the show. It'll go towards uh, creating new content, new designs, and hopefully getting a better show for you guys. And I wanna end the show today talking about the 2020 election and what we need to look for. And I want you all to take a second and look at what you think is important to you and what candidates support those views. New polls show a majority of people in the United States want significant restrictions on abortion, yet Illinois and Vermont just passed laws allowing partial birth abortions. Most Democrats have called this headline a lie, which just isn't true. These laws are real. Here's what happens in a partial birth abortion. Labor is induced. The baby, which is fully grown, is rotated in the womb and partially delivered feet first. Then when the base of the neck is showing, the doctor makes an incision, and then the brain of the baby is forcibly sucked out of the baby's head. This is a supported idea by the majority of the DNC and almost every single Democratic presidential candidate. So when you're looking at the 2020 candidates, think about what they actually support. The Democrats support partial birth abortions. They support limiting the First Amendment for so-called hate speech. They want to raise your taxes, they want to limit your Second Amendment rights, and some of them even want to take away guns completely. Kamala Harris said in the first 100 days she will take executive action on guns. Eric Swalwell has the same ideas. And they want to eliminate due process as we saw with Brett Kavanaugh. But this isn't an endorsement for President Trump either. President Trump has done more for gun control with the backing of the NRA than any Democrat has done in 30 years. And he mentioned his dislike of suppressors recently but it was definitely just about the bump stocks, right? He also said to take guns first and then go through due process second. He just recently came out in support of making the burning of the American flag illegal. A lot of people say that this is a First Amendment issue, but it is more so a property rights issue. If you buy a flag, you have the right to burn it. You can do whatever you want with your own property. If you take somebody else's flag, i.e. their property, and then you burn it, you are a thief and an arsonist. That's wrong. That's where I can see the law coming into into play and, and changing things because you're taking somebody else's property. If it's your own property, do whatever you want with it. You have the right to burn an American flag regardless if I agree with it or not. You have the right to be gay regardless if I agree with it or not. You can identify as a male if you were born a female, and I can disagree with you, but you have the right to do that. Just don't make me live like that. But voting party lines is a mistake. Republicans and Democrats aren't sports teams, and you shouldn't support them as a loyal fan, even if they still suck. It's not like you're watching the Cleveland Browns go 0-16 and you're still a faithful fan and you go to every single game. That's completely different. The federal government was never meant to be as big as it is, and voting party lines, regardless of who is running, is a terrible idea. Do your research, know what the candidates have said, look at what they have voted on in Congress, and make your decision based on what they believe in and not whether there is an R or a D next to their name. Joe Biden used to be against closed border or uh, used to be against open borders, as did every other Democrat 20 years ago, but now they want people to come in. President Trump used to be a big government liberal. Not too long ago, he wrote a, he wrote in a book that he doesn't like guns and he wants the second amendment to have restrictions. But now he says he comes out for guns and then ends up banning guns more than Democrats have done in the last 30 years. So please, again, just do your research and know what they know what they believe in, know what they support. And that's it for today. I have a pretty big announcement coming up in the next few weeks with a new project I've been working on. And I can't wait to share it with you guys. I'm super excited. And make sure to tune in next week to The Alex Drum Show. <laughs>